This is Small Talk with 101 ESPN's Michelle Smallman. Hi there, and welcome into episode 17 of Small Talk. I'm your host, as always, Michelle Smallman. In the second half of the pod this week, I'm going to be joined by ESPN play-by-play broadcast extraordinaire John Bugshambi. We're going to ask him about his nickname, why he and Chris Singleton have fidget spinners in the booth during Sunday Night Baseball, and about the state of baseball when it comes to player individuality and marketing. He's got some interesting, interesting thoughts on that topic. But like we do every week, we need to bring in Tommy Freeze Pops and do three random things. So, Tom, what's up? How you been? Hello. Hello, hello, hello. All right, we need to get rolling with three random things. And I am so excited slash nervous about random thing number one. And you, Tom, know where I'm going with this, but our listeners do not. So, the guys, Tom and Steve, they make fun of me all the time about my love for St. Louis. They called me Midwest Michelle on the show. Uh, When we revealed our most annoying things about one another, both of them said my love for St. Louis is the most annoying thing about me, Uh, which, you know, I wear as a badge of honor. Thank you very much. However, breaking news, Tom is coming to St. Louis for a visit. I am. I'm finally going to see what the the hype is all about. I'm going to see if you can live up to the hype on this. So here's the stressful part about this, because I'm not worried. I know I'm going to show you a great time. I have an agen- a loose agenda. You're going to hit all the hot spots. I'm going to be the ultimate tour guide. However, you're flying in. You land midday. So I only have a half a day and one night to show you around. And then I'm leaving to go out of town your second night here. So I have such a limited window to show you all the amazing things about St. Louis. And I don't know how we're going to cram them all into a half a day and one night. But I'm, I'm going to just do my best and show you the super, super highlights. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of your job, right? Because you've been talking this city up to me the entire time I've known you, and you talk such a big game, it's like, all right, well, now it's time to put, you know, your money where your mouth is, right? Because if you fail in the, you know, what, 12 or so hours that we're going to be together in the same city, it's going to reflect really poorly on you and your city, really. You've kind of become like this beacon of the city, you know, you've been, you've become this figurehead of St. Louis. To, to people from outside St. Louis, and now I'm really gonna I'm gonna test the waters here. So this is my Super Bowl. Yeah, a thousand percent. I mean, I, I'm I'm excited to try the food. Honestly, that's kind of my biggest uh, the the thing that I'm looking forward to because I always like trying the different delicacies of the city. So I, I expect to be brought to the the finest, not the finest, but I would like to eat the what you would you would think are the best St. Louis foods oh, uh, for every every meal. And I want to see the sights. Uh, I want to have a good time. I want to be shown that the people live up to the hype. Uh, I want my vibes to be correct. I mean, there's a lot, lot riding on your shoulders here. Okay. Well, several things here. One, I understand the magnitude of this moment. I know that if for some reason, which will not happen, but if for some weird reason you didn't love St. Louis or have a great time here, that my failures will echo. They will reverberate in the post-show pod chambers from now until eternity. I will never live this down. I understand what is writing on this moment. There is a couple things I can promise you about your visit to St. Louis, Missouri. Number one, you're going to have awesome food. The food scene here is next level. Two, I can promise you you're going to get some delicious beer. 
St. Louis, Missouri, known for their beer. Like Number that. three, I can guarantee you, you're going to love the people. Everyone here, super friendly and nice. Not like your East Coast folk who, uh, when I moved there, they warned me about the New England deep freeze. Not so friendly. Not so friendly. A little icy up there. You're going to get a lot of friendly people. And number four, I'm leaving town, but I'm making sure that you're not escaping St. Louis without going to a St. Louis Cardinals baseball game. And I can promise you it's going to be an awesome sports experience. Yeah, so I'm actually really excited about that because obviously I've seen Bush Stadium on TV approximately a thousand times. So, uh, you know, I, I know what the skyline looks like from a television screen, so now I'm excited to see that in person. Um, who do they have this weekend? The Giants. Okay, so there you go. That's, that's, a, that's a nice uh, all-time brand, you know, Cardinals-Giants, nice little NL matchup. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm excited to check out the city. I really am because, yeah, like you said, I know how much this is – like your Super Bowl right now, you know this. This is your World Series. If we want to give it a St. Louis theme, uh, so you know I, I understand that and because you realize that, yeah, me and Sarudi are going to give you crap about St. Louis for the rest of eternity if I go there and things go wrong. Like the margin of error here is very small. I will not fail, Tom, and I also <laughs> need you to promise that you will give an honest assessment on this, okay? Oh, of course. Even if you have an awesome, awesome time, I don't want Sabruti to jump on next week, and then you're like, yeah, it was all right. You know, she liked it more than I did. The food was just okay. If you have an awesome time, you better say it loud and proud. <laughs> no, you, you know I'll give my honest opinion. I, I If I enjoy it, I'll, I'll take that side. Like, you know, it, even if it's the unpopular take in the room to... To say that St. Louis is cool, I'll, I'll say it. I don't care if if I if it lives up to the expectations. You know, it's not an unpopular take. It's a very popular take. St. <laughs> yeah, Louis, among, yeah, in your part. No, no. All my friends that have come to visit have left going, "Wow, St. Louis, sneaky great. Not what I expected." Sneaky great. And I said, "Yeah, that's because most people come to St. Louis for a baseball game. They stay downtown, which is the worst part of the city, and everything cool is like ten minutes west of that." And you need a local to show you the haunts, to show you where to go. And so I'm going to be your ultimate tour guide. I'm so excited. Um, and I have to tell you, I'm very excited for you to see a Cardinals game because the last group of people that I had visit me uh, were some of my girlfriends who couldn't care less about sports. And I was so hyped to take them to a baseball game. And when we got there, all they could say was, what, ew, why do they call it Bush Stadium? <laughs> I was like, oh my god! They didn't put two and two together there. I was like, you guys, Anheuser Busch, like Bud Light, and this, and they were like, oh, okay, but like Bush Stadium, that sounds kind of <laughs> gross. <laughs> and so I know that you will actually soak in the sights. You'll have a lot of delicious snacks, delicious beer. You'll watch a contending team play. You'll appreciate the ambiance. You're going to give me the St. Louis Cardinals Bush Stadium review that I need, not my girlfriends who just focus on the name and their inappropriate version of it. Yeah, I, look, I. I'm excited. I really am. I'm always excited to check out a new place, and, you know, this is a place that's been hyped to me the entire time I've known you. Like, I think the first, within the first 10 minutes of meeting you, you just started hyping St. Louis. So, like, I mean, it's a long time in the making. So, uh, yeah, I'm ready to go. What's the deal with St. Louis-style pizza? I've never had that or, like, never even heard you even really talk about it. It's I, something that's something I... I'd like to try. Can I just throw that on your radar? Oh, really? Yeah. Because I wasn't even going to do that. 
Because I love pizza, so like, okay, but I want to try the type of pizza. Okay, I'm, now I'm so stressed. You just threw a wrench into all of my plans, and here's why. Okay. So, okay, this is a really delicate. This is a really delicate conversation. Uh oh, am I about to expose you right now? Oh my god, Tom, you don't even know Pandora's box. You don't even know Uh-oh. the Pandora's box that you just opened. Wow. Okay. Okay. So let me lay this out for you. Let me Do give it. you a little background, a little context. Unroll the dough. So St. Louis-style pizza is actually very controversial. I mean, you're coming from the East Coast, a nice hand-tossed crust. The sauce is a little sweet. You have your classic cheese. You, you fold it and have to eat it. It's dynamite, right? St. Louis-style pizza is cracker-thin crust, a different type of sauce, and then okay. the cheese that they put on top is called Provel. It's like a hybrid cheese. And locals... Love it. People who come from out of town, typically not so much. Interesting. Okay. So, yeah, because, like, I know it's something that exists, but it's not something that's ever spoken about. Like, oh, yeah, there's a St. Louis-style pizza. Like, the, you know, that's just, like, one of the things that's always listed in the different styles of pizza. Yeah, but yeah. no one's ever like, oh, man, it's delicious. So I'm like, I want to try it. So the classic St. Louis-style pizza is a company here called Emo's, and they call it the Square Beyond Compare because, as I mentioned, it's a very thin crust, so you cut it in squares. You eat it in, in a square, not in your typical pizza slice-type scenario. Um, okay. Jason Tatum, spokesperson for Emo's. So I didn't even put two and two together that you may enjoy trying that. But it's yeah. just, I'm taking you to get St. Louis-style barbecue, okay, which is, to me, criminally yep. underrated, and I've had a lot of barbecue in my life. Um I'm taking you to get toasted ravs, toasted ravioli. I know we had uh, Salt and Smoke, a great barbecue joint here in St. Louis, ship us some burnt end toasted ravs to Bristol. But I need to get you the classic St. Louis-style toasted ravs. Yep. Um, We're obviously going to hit up the craft beer situation here locally. Down. Um, I haven't settled on where I'm going to take you for dinner yet. There's a couple places in the running. I haven't really settled on one yet. Um because there's so many good options, to be honest with you. I was just kind of going to see where the day and night took us. There you go. But now that you want St. Louis-style pizza, see, this is the thing. You could have the best time, the best food, the best beer, the best sports experience. <laughs> you love the people. You're like, oh, St. Louis is the best. You could have that pizza and dislike it, and that could taint your entire experience. Or you could wow, love it. So, it's just such a gamble. It's such a gamble. So, so what I'm gauging from you is that you don't really like St. Louis-style pizza. Incorrect. You're kind of avoiding that. You haven't said if you like it yet or not. I like it. I do okay. like it. But okay. it's one of those things where it's an acquired taste for me, right? I grew up eating St. Louis-style pizza, so it's something that I love and adore. So when you order a pizza from a pizza place in St. Louis, do you have to specify, don't give me that cracker, weird Provel shit? So it depends on where you're ordering from. There's obviously a ton of great pizza spots in St. Louis. Some that have deep dish, some have hand toss. You know, you have your Saint, your typical St. Louis style pizza. But if you want St. Louis style pizza, there's really only a couple places you're going, Emo's included. So when you order an Emo's pizza, you're getting that crust. You know what you're uh, in gotcha. for. So I know, and I know we're really we're really deep diving in on the pizza thing here, but like it's, it's, a, it's important. Pizza's great. Uh, so I'm from Rhode Island, as you know. And Rhode Island actually has a style of pizza. Really? Yes. Does it have it, clams on it or something? So, no. It's it's interesting. It's just like cold bread, huh. and it's cut into squares or rectangles, and 
there's it's marinara sauce on it again cold and you know maybe just a little bit of seasoning and that's it hmm. and it's referred to in in the new england region as rhode island pizza or party pizza or pizza strips those are like the three ways it's referred to but it's really only sold in rhode island hmm. um and i love it and where my part of the family is really the only part of the family that lives in rhode island everyone else lives in central mass so whenever we would come up to Central Mass for a family party, we would always bring in the tray of Rhode Island pizza, and everyone it was very controversial to be like, "Oh my God, cold pizza like that doesn't have cheese." What I don't even understand this. But then like half the the other part of the family would love it every single time, and it was like our go to thing that we would bring. So I have experience with polarizing regional pizza. Uh, so you know, it, it, I'm kind of almost excited to either love or hate this Provel thing. So, uh, I mean, again, overall, just to put a bow on it, I- I'm excited to check out a new city. I know I said that already, but um, I'm, I'm really excited. I-, I, actually, wow. I have faith in you, Michelle. I really do. Because you. You, you ride hard for St. Louis, and I-, I can't see you not going all out here. Because you have a finite amount of time to show me a good time and... Uh, I think you're up for the challenge. I really do. I am. And thank you for revealing that about Rhode Island pizza because TBH, to be honest, sounds pretty gross. So now I know <laughs> if you like cold, cheeseless pizza, I mean, St. Louis style pizza is going to be a slam dunk. Let's be honest. Okay. I don't know. I guess I didn't do a good job uh, making it sound appetizing. No, it sounds disgusting. Oh. Hopefully some of our listeners have had it because it's really good. It's just, it's so good. The, the, Oh, man, I, I I don't want to I don't want to creep anyone out, but I, I I love it. I love it a lot. Well, I have to tell you this: <laughs> this is the weirdest thing about me, um, and it annoys a lot of people. It's one of my quirkiest traits. Okay. Um, I refuse to eat leftovers. I hate leftovers, oh. um, and that includes cold pizza. I've never had cold pizza in my life, and it's okay. A t- it's a temperature thing. I, we don't need to get into it. I know it's bizarre. I know it's wasteful. People get so annoyed with me about it. Um, but I just, it's something about something that's supposed to be hot then being cold. I get i get the logic behind it. It's so stupid. But it's just, it's too much for me. I've never had cold pizza. So when you describe Rhode Island pizza as essentially cold pizza with no cheese, it makes me want to vomit. Wow. Okay. So uh, two things here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, now we just turned this into Michelle's weird with no leftovers. Yeah, so maybe this is random thing number two right now. Uh, can I just can I just be on the record because we need to really dive in? Here. Yeah, go ahead. Let's transition. Uh, random thing number two: leftovers. <laughs> All right. Wow, you're so not excited for this. Well, now that you say, I do remember that you used to bring in like random leftover food. Yeah, because I love to cook. Yeah, and I I tried a few of the dishes and they were they were really good with like Michelle good cook that's a that's a thing I will co-sign on that thank you um but I did not know it was because you hate leftovers hate them so I, you just said oh you know it's because I I want hot things to be hot um because they're meant to be hot but have you ever <laughs> heard of an oven have you heard of a microwave okay have you heard of a toaster oven heard of all those I mean, things some, own all those some things of, some of the best leftover pizza is when you put like a slice in the toaster oven gets all crispy oh no, my god I'm, no 
Here's getting why. worked up thinking about it. Okay, calm down. Let's just take a deep <laughs> breath over there. Don't get worked up. But here's the thing. Okay? It's almost lunchtime around here, Michelle. I'm getting kind of hungry. Oh my gosh, I'm starving here. Honestly, it's once you get up at 4 a.m., by the time you hit 11 a.m., you're like a ravenous animal if you haven't eaten like three times yet. Um, but anyway, it's okay. So if the cheese is cold and then you, you put it on the pizza and then you cook it, then it's cooked. But to have it be cooked cheese that's then recooked is gross to me. I know. Trust me, I get how weird it is. I know that I'm in the minority here. And you want to know something else very weird? When Sam Bradford was here and he was the quarterback of the Rams, when he was a rookie, uh, we had him on for an interview once. I was interviewing him. And I forget the actual you know, minutia and details of this. But he said he went to some St. Louis restaurant and someone said, oh, yeah, I'm sure you brought home leftovers for that. You're going to enjoy those the next day. And he said, actually, I don't like leftovers. And I afterwards, when I got him back on the phone, I said, I can't believe I've met another one. Like there are, there's more than one of us that exists out there. It's a thing. And he's like, yeah, I don't, I don't do leftovers. And so, you know, I know people want to rip Sam Bradford all the time and I've not been immune to that, but sometimes I'll just be like, you know what? We're kindred in that way. <laughs> he's one of us. I Listen, I know it's bizarre, but I stand by it. The grossest thing to me is cold pizza. The second grossest thing to me is is when someone has pasta with a sauce on it and then they reheat it and the sauce is kind of stuck to the noodle in a really spotty and disgusting way. I can't look at it. I don't want to eat it. Wow. This is insane to me. But you know what else is weird? I So my family's Italian. We have Sunday dinner every Sunday. My grandmother used to make a big pot of sauce. Yeah, like crazy food. Like the, right. Like Italian dinners are like well known for having like a bunch of leftovers. Oh, tons of leftovers. My dad was always in heaven. However... Here's another weird thing about me. My grandmother would make the sauce. Some people call it gravy, whatever you want to call it, a big vat of it on Sundays. You would use it for that night's dinner. I can reheat the sauce and then use it in a recipe that night. Reheating a sauce or reheating a soup doesn't gross me out. If I pour the cold soup or the cold sauce in the pan, I gag a little. (laughs) But then after I cook it, it's okay. I did not realize you had these weird, like, food in idiosyncrasies. This is so strange to me. I will eat anything. There's only two things on planet Earth that I won't eat. Cottage cheese because it was curdled milk. You're disgusting (laughs) if you eat it. Do not pretend like you don't think it's gross. And two is mushrooms. I've tried to like mushrooms. I wish I loved mushrooms. I can't. I don't, there's something about the That's texture. That's shocking to me. I know. It's such a bummer to me. I want to eat mushrooms, mushrooms all the time. Mushrooms are so good. I know. Everyone loves them, and I, I, don't, I hate Mushroom, that about myself. Mushrooms are a top three pizza topping, easily. No, no. I can't go there. I have to get no <laughs> mushrooms. I don't know. It's something about... I think it's because when a mushroom is on something, it's such a pervasive taste. You can remove the mushroom from the pizza, and it will still taste like mushrooms. Wow. Like it lingers. It's a lingering taste. I don't know. So, yeah, those are my my weird food things. It's definitely a quirk about me. Don't do <laughs> mushrooms. Don't do... Co- like, even the name cottage cheese is just sick. Yeah, the, yeah cottage is, is a weird way to describe cottage it. Cottage cheese. Yeah, I, I don't mean, like that either. I don't I'm mind a- cottage cheese. I'm not, okay. I'm not out here, you know, stumping for cottage cheese. But, like... Yeah, it's not an appetizing name for food. I'll I'll, I'll give you that. But honestly, uh, if I go to brunch and someone's like, "Oh, I'll take the cottage cheese in a, in a melon bowl or something," I'm like, "Do not yeah, sit that's by a me." Ter- that yeah, that that makes you the worst person ever if you do that at, yeah. at a brunch. Like, come on, get eggs Benedict, you weirdo. Get some waffles, why don't you? I know. I'm like, how dare you order cottage cheese at brunch? It's like it's like you're already drinking like a thousand calories just in that Bloody Mary alone. Like, don't try and be healthy here. Also, it's curdled milk. 
it with fruit. Like, what is wrong with it? It's curdled yeah. milk. No, that's that's disg- that's truly gross. I I completely agree with you there. Um, but I want to get back to the sauce thing that you brought up, where you you heat up the sauce separately from the pasta. Yeah, I, I do agree with that. That's that's the way to do it. If you're going to have leftover pasta, you have to keep the sauce separate from the pasta. I don't like. I mean, this doesn't happen often, but you'll go over someone's house or whatever. You'll you'll be prepping food with someone, and they just throw all of the sauce on all of the pasta. And it's like, no, you have to keep that separate because if you don't finish the pasta or you don't finish the sauce, then you have it separate to to store away. Also, some people like more sauce, some people like less sauce. Um, so yeah, I mean that you do that correctly. I'll give you credit there. Thank you. But the leftover pizza take is terrible because cold pizza is sometimes good when you're hungover. Uh, I don't know. There's some sort of like refreshing quality about it. I, I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense, but like. There's just something about eating a cold slice of pizza, specifically from Domino's, that like <laughs> is 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 something that like Hyper helps specific. you. Yes, very specific to Domino's. It's like a cold slice of Domino's pepperoni pizza with a glacier freeze Gatorade, ice cold. You're like, okay, I am I'm getting over this hangover. Um, well, but you already I, know I, my hangover cure, which couldn't be further from yours. Yeah, yeah it's like an Italian sub or something yeah, like it's that. A root beer. 100%. Right, right, like ice cold root beer. Um, but I, I do prefer heating up leftover pizza, but the fact that you don't do it at all is crazy to me. So just, just to put a bow on that conversation, and I think I may have already used that phrase at some point. You right, did, earlier it's okay. We're just putting bows just, on everything putting today. a lot of bows on stuff today. Um, so when you cook for yourself, you try to really make like one portion or like however many portions you know you're going to eat, right? Yes, you're yes. not just out here making trays of food. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. I, trays of I'm food. Gonna Sorry, cook... I just hiccuped while I was talking. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm getting really worked up on this. No, like last night I made a sweet potato with... A, I saw, a sweet potato. Well, yeah, I cooked the sweet potato and then I sauteed some onion, garlic, spinach, sun-dried tomatoes, a little salt, pepper, then you... You know, you put that in the potato, put some goat cheese on top, you're good to go. But that's, you know, you're cooking, but it's for one. Okay. You know what? Something just popped in my head, and we're just going to go there. Okay. Uh, What about meal prepping? I feel like you would be the type of person that would really love to, like, do the thing where on Sunday night they make all of their lunches for, like, the week in, like, the the organized containers in their fridge. Like, my roommates love doing it. They, like, make a whole activity out of it where they all meal prep at the same time. Not something I love bonding over with my roommates. Um, But in my eyes, if you're doing all that meal prep, that's the same. You're essentially just making all the food and then immediately making it leftovers by putting it in your fridge and letting it sit there all week. Yeah, your girl does not meal prep. Okay, good. I was going to say, because that... That wouldn't fall in line with your take on uh, leftovers. Here's what I will do, though, however. Okay, if I'm going to make a dish, right, and let's say I want to make it two, three days in a row, and it requires onions or peppers or cucumbers, something that is – that. I can remain cold. I will chop it up ahead of time. For instance, last night when I'm making the my little sweet potato, I had already chopped up the onion and put it in different little Tupperwares in my fridge. So you could just throw in the onion, throw in the garlic, saute it up. You're good to go. 
Hmm. So I'm not chopping every night, per se. Like the first night that I chopped the onion, I just chopped the whole thing. Interesting. So the onion's semi-leftover. I hate to put that in your head, but, like, you are kind of eating leftovers. <laughs> Listen, I'm not anti... <laughs> it's just a temperature thing, Tom. It's just a t- <laughs> like an onion can remain cold. It's fine. <laughs> Until you heat it up, but then it's not like I can't take the heated up onion and go back. Once, so once something is hot the first time, you can't then – you have to eat it then. You can't let it get cold and then go back to hot. Unless it's a saucer of soup, correct. Which, like I said, when I dump it in the pot, it makes me gag a little. <laughs> it's it's the coldness. It's the, it's the noise it makes as it hits the pan. The noise is disgusting. I will give you that. When you're pouring like a cold – soup into a pan. It's disgusting. It's like, oh, yeah, that's pretty gross. But then you eat it, and you're like, mmm, tasty. I mean, who eats pea soup? What are you doing? Cold oh, pea- pizza with no cheese? Pea soup? What are you, you eating like pea, out there? Like split pea soup is delicious, you know? You, know, you get some ham in there. Oh, that's, that's good stuff. They used to have a really good one at ESPN, actually. <laughs> I wouldn't know. I did not go to the soup counter at ESPN. Oh, the soups were really good at ESPN. I, I frequented the soups. Really? Frequented? Yes. I frequented the soup. Really good. You get a lot of bang for your buck on the soup prices. Uh, one of the Frankel twins turned me on to that. Shout out to the Frankels. Shout out Frankels. No, I was a, a salad bar girl, shocking. Or I would go with Saruti and we would get grilled chicken wraps. Yeah. No, I mean, look, I, I was an every station guy. I mean, I was a, I was a five-tool player down there. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but the soups were, soups were a good value. Also, speaking of the calf, I'm going back to ESPN in a few weeks. I'm going to do the show there for two days leading up to Saruti's wedding. Um, And I'm kind of excited to go back to the calf. I was sitting there last night making a list of people I need to email so I can get on their schedules early because you know how it is when... Yeah, you got to go see people and, you know, people are busy, blah, blah, blah. Right. So I want to get on the calendars. And then I thought, my show's over at 11 o'clock Eastern, which means I can make 11 o'clock lunch with Saruti and Bubba and company. Yeah, look, I'm kind of jealous. So, like, I don't think that you should rub that in. I'm, like, really jealous. Oh, I'm sorry. But then I thought, I wonder if there's been any calf developments. Like, do they have new stations? What are the specials come fall? Mm, you know, what are that's the... A good, and you're going to be there on a Thursday, so you know what that means. Oh, Taco Thursday. What? <laughs> I didn't even think of that. I'm going to send you a photo. I'm so sorry in advance for what's about wow. to happen that day. That's not cool. Okay, well, you know what? Since I just rubbed that into you, let's transition to random thing number three, where I know you want to talk about this, where you can rub into me that you have a football team that's an amazing dynasty franchise, and I am the cheese stands alone. I have no team. It's coming up on three years now. I just, you know, the fall is so weird to me now that I don't have an NFL team. Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of a not an ideal time for me to brag about having a team, given the, uh, you know, the loss we had on Sunday to Jacksonville, mm-hmm. and then the news that broke today about this Belichick book and all the the internal strife between Brady and Belichick, just more and more whispers, which now sound like, you know, shouts about the the drama inside Gillette Stadium. Uh, but, still have a team, Tom. Still have a team. <laughs> I was just going to say, I still have a team. And, you know, we're still a five-time champ. And we've still been to eight Super Bowls since 2001. So, uh, you know, I can't really complain. Uh, it's fantastic. It's every Sunday during football season. I know that I can saddle up to a TV and enjoy my guys. And uh, actually, last season I had the pleasure of producing a few Patriots games, and I'm gonna be doing about six or seven this fall. So nice, congrats. Uh, yeah, congrats to me. So you know, I 
it's it's a great it's a huge part of my life and you know we've talked about it before it's it's something that you don't have anymore uh but what i'm curious is you know you were on the the search for a new team for a while and i i just haven't heard a lot about that in a while from you you know did you give up or are you still kind of sneaky looking around you know right. are you are you are you swiping right on any teams are you swiping left Which I, I know yes. that you were flirting a little bit with the dolphins for a while i, I think, was when i worked on izzy and uh george with you yeah george and izzy yeah yeah so there was some I, mutual you know i i movement between me and the dolphins okay so here's where i stand as far as the nfl and my free agent fandom because yes i'm still a free agent when it was announced that the Rams were stolen from St. Louis in a very, very corrupt process, I said, forget the NFL. I'm never watching a game again. I hate them. I hate the Rams. And I'm done with it. Canceled the NFL Network. Didn't really watch any football that season. And I have to say it was glorious. It was glorious. I felt like a new woman. I had my fall weekends back. I mean, I'm talking... I was brunching on Sundays. I was going to a pumpkin patch. I felt like I could sleep in, do things at my leisure. And then you know what happened? I wasn't inevitably pissed off come Sunday night because I didn't have to watch a terrible Rams team continue to suck. And I just loved it. It was so great. And then year two comes around, and then I'm working on Brazil and Canal at the network, have to watch football. And, you know, year two was okay because I became a big fan of whatever team was playing the Rams. The Rams are playing the Seahawks. Go Russell Wilson. The Rams are playing the Bucks. Don't like Jameis Winston. I'm going to cheer for him. You know, whatever it is. I was fun for a little bit to hate them. But now, this year... It's just kind of this weird, uncomfortable space that I'm in. And obviously, I hate the Rams, and I cheer for them to lose in incredibly dramatic fashion at any point. It's not as satisfying to hate cheer for a team as it is to love cheer for a team. You know what I mean? Um, Watching a team and hoping that they suck isn't as good as having hope that the team won't suck and that hope that you'll bring home a championship. And so for a while, I flirted with some different teams. Uh, growing up before the Rams were here, I was a Dolphins fan because of my dad. He loved Dan Marino, and I, in turn, loved Dan Marino. Oh, okay. Um, but then I left the Dolphins for the Rams. So it seems like a relationship that, since I left, I don't know if I can return to it. You know what I mean? Well, um, also, you don't want to go back to the Dolphins. Like, that's... That's the boyfriend that you fought with all the time that you don't want to go back to, but, like, for some reason you keep going back to. Like, Dolphins are a terrible franchise. Like, I was I was thinking about this the other day, actually. It's kind of funny that we're talking about this. When Dan Marino retired in, what, 1999, after the 99 season, they literally haven't found a quarterback yet since 1999. And while they had him, he's easily one of the five to ten greatest quarterbacks of all time. They only went to one Super Bowl. He was on the team for like almost 20 years. Isn't that insane? They what a went waste. to one Super Bowl when he was like a rookie or something. And then they didn't do anything with him that whole time. And it, I mean, the AFC wasn't really lighting the world on fire at that point, too. I mean, that was kind of the, the dominance of the Niners. And then you get the Cowboys dominance. Mm-hmm. And then the Redskins mm-hmm. won a bunch of Super Bowls in that time frame, too. I mean, it's not like the AFC was really great outside of the Bills four year run. So you had one of the best quarterbacks of all time, and you couldn't get back to more than one Super Bowl in his entire prime? That's so embarrassing for you. Totally. And then once he retires, you show your true colors, and you still are a terrible franchise. I don't even – they've made the playoffs more than two or three times since then? I don't even think so. So 
I would say no to the Dolphins. And yeah, a little bias here as a Patriots fan that has like one or two annoying losses to them over the last four or five years. Um, I'd say you have the upper hand, Tom. Yeah, I do. But they just are they're one of those annoying teams, like especially when we play the Dolphins like late in the season, you know, when we're not used to playing in the warm weather and then randomly in December it's like, Oh, it's week sixteen, you gotta go down to Miami and it's ninety degrees. The Patriots lose that game sometimes and it affects their playoff position. Um, so yeah, I'm obviously coming from a biased place, but I don't know. I think I kinda just laid out a pretty you know, flawless argument for why you should not get with the Dolphins. All right, I'll consider it. Uh, I appreciate your points. I really, really do. Um, So the other two teams that I was kind of eyeing slash flirting with (laughs) were the Chicago Bears and the Green Bay Packers, and here's why. Okay. Uh, Bears, obviously, from Illinois. Uh, I went to Illinois. The colors there are orange and blue. The Bears are orange and blue. I already have the wardrobe. Um, I also have been to a Bears game, and it's an awesome time. They're kind of an – not kind of. They're an iconic franchise, Monsters of the Midway. I think it's a team that's trending up, so you can get in on the bandwagon now before they get good. Um, I don't know. There's just a lot – all my friends are Bears fans, so it would be fun to kind of – and all of my friends, too, are Cubs fans, so it would be fun to have an actual team that we root for together. Um, that would be cool. But – then you have the Chicago thing, right? Like being from St. Louis, you can't cheer for Chicago teams. You just can't. Yeah. It's just not in your DNA. Blackhawks, forget about it. Cubs, out of here. White Sox, I mean, whatever. You do you well, if you're yeah, a fan of the White you, Sox. Yeah, why would you do that to yourself? Right. I mean, that's on you, bro. <laughs> um, but I just, you know, it just feels wrong to say, oh, I'm a Cardinals, Blues, and Bears fan. I don't know. Yeah, that sounds like the New England person that likes the Mets instead of the Red Sox, or like likes the Giants instead of the Patriots. It's like, really, dude? Like, and then they'll give you some reason, like, oh yeah, my it's because my aunt uh, used to bring me to games when I was a kid. It's like, well, no, you're just you just kind of decided to be different when you were a kid, and you and you ran with it. Granted, the St. Louis thing is is unique in that. You you can't uh, you know you can't say oh I'm a Rams fan because they're not there anymore like you ha- if you're gonna have a team it is gonna be from another city but what I'm saying is like you can't just have the rival city as your other team you know like right. you, you can't do that so here's my take on the Packers iconic franchise iconic stadium they're owned by the fans it's in green bay wisconsin green bay basically exists because of the packers right and they have one of the best quarterbacks of all time and aaron Rodgers. and it's a team that when they have Rodgers, will basically always be in contention and you're gonna get i don't know what do you think maybe four or five years of Rodgers left if we're lucky yeah, maybe, maybe more. Who knows? Maybe Brady more. I just think if you take all of those components and you put it into one big package, it could get me on board with the Packers. It could get me excited right out the gate. Whereas the Bears, you know, it might take a couple years for them to get good. The Packers are going to be good this year because of Rodgers, as long as that knee holds up. But I just, I don't know. It's just hard for me to totally buy in. But I think if I'm going to pick a team, it has to be the Packers. Right. Well, I mean, look, you're not going to commit right now. Obviously, you're still on the market. You're still, you know, flirting around. You're still on the dating, the, the team dating apps, you know, swiping left, swiping right. So swiping. I wish you I wish you good luck. Thank you. Uh, all the points you brought up with the Packers are everything that I would say. I love the fact that it's a small market. Uh, like, And when I say small market, I mean, like, it's not even really a market. I mean, what is Green Bay, Wisconsin, right? Right. 
So, I, you know, that's the thing I love the most about it. But, yeah, you brought up good points. Uh, but Brady's better than Rodgers. Uh, so there you go. Uh, I believe Tom Brady said that Aaron Rodgers is better than him. Uh, and that had he been in the Pat system, he would have thrown for how many more thousands of yards? Uh, Actually, now that we're here. I, I never heard those words. Let me pull up the quote because uh, I'm pretty sure I liked it. I'm pretty don't sure you need I, to get going, Michelle? I'm pretty sure I liked it on Twitter. <laughs> Stand by, everyone. Profile favorites. You know what? I'll, I'll let you go here. Look, I mean, so what? Who cares? Rodgers is talented, but that doesn't mean Brady isn't better. We're scrolling. We're almost there. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. Let's see. We're still scrolling. Wow, I like a lot of things on Twitter. This is a problem. I need to stop doing that. (laughs) Still scrolling, still scrolling. All right. Well, you know what? I've lost interest and I can't find it. So yeah, you know what? So have I. So uh, (laughs) I bid you farewell and I will... uh, see you this week oh my gosh i will see you in a few days buckle yeah. up put on your uh your midwestern smile get ready oh to be God. really friendly and drink a lot of beer <laughs> can't wait you better believe we're gonna have a full report on tom's time in st louis next week but we are going to talk with john book espn's mlb play-by-play voice you've probably seen or heard him on sunday night baseball and we're going to chat with him coming up next Take 101 ESPN on the go with the all-new 101 Sports app. See the latest videos, listen to podcasts, and join the conversation with the 101 Sports app. Well, we have a lot of things that I want to discuss with our guest this week on Small Talk. I'm talking about ESPN play-by-play voice, John Book Shambi. You've probably seen or heard him on Sunday Night Baseball calling games for your favorite baseball teams. But, Boog, thanks so much for the time. It's so great to chat with you. How are you doing? I am well. It's good to talk to you. What's happening? Nothing. And that's kind of where I want to start. Your name is John Shambi, and everyone calls you Boog. So can you give me and our listeners the background? When did people start calling you Boog and why? So I went to go work at a radio station in Miami. It's called WQAM. They were the all-sports station. They had the Marlins and the Florida Panthers at the time. And I went there to go Right out of college, and I was uh, <clears throat> I was uh, there to be a producer and an update guy, but I needed to learn how to run the board. So I was in training uh, in the morning on the morning show. I had been hired, and this is 1993, I guess. And I was there in the morning show, and I, you know, I was a kind of a hefty redheaded guy. And the morning show was Dave Lamont and Joe Rose. Dave does some play-by-play for ESPN, and Joe's still a morning show guy in Miami. And Dave grew up a huge Orioles fan, and they immediately started calling me Boog Pal. I was kind of, you know, the guy who was running the board was in front of them training, and I would come in, and I mean, I knew how to run the board a bit, but he was just, but they started calling me Boog Pal. I came into work the second day and my mailbox, which was just basically they had these kind of, you know, folders that would hang off of a wall. My mailbox taped over my name instead of John Chambi. It said Boog Powell. <laughs> and I, and it did not stop. So, you know, going forward, I, I would say in my life, most people call me Boog. I would say that making the transition from talk show host the baseball person, it was certainly helpful in meeting scouts and baseball people, et cetera, to be Boog. Um, you know, the kids I grew up with 
from my childhood, like my boys who I've known since I was seven that I'm still friends with. I'm still John to them. Guys from high school, it's more call me by my last name. I would say most of them will derisively at times call me the boog to just kind of give me the middle finger. And then my mom and girls that I went to grade school with call me Jonathan. Jonathan. Like if you run, if, if you run into, so there's a, <clears throat> there's a, uh, a local news anchor. She's tremendous in the New York area named Lauren Glassberg on channel seven. Eyewitness news. She's been there for a long time. Like, if I bump into her or any of the you know handful of girls from from uh, PS two seventeen, yeah, I'm Jonathan. Period. Well, to have Boog as your nickname, which doesn't really translate to your real name. I mean, when you think about it, Chris Singleton, you call him Singy because of his name. Yeah. People call me Smalls because my last name is Michelle Smallman. Yeah, you know, it's just interesting to me that you have this transcendent nickname that has nothing to do with your actual name. And when I met you, everyone says, "Oh, this is Boog," and you kind of don't even question it. It's not, "Oh, I'm not in on the joke." I don't. <laughs> I shouldn't call him that. Right. I should call him John. Yeah, it's so. Well, so my my nickname, like uh, in high school and college, was a, a you know was basically off of um, my last name, which people would call me Shams, off of Shambi. Right. That was that's what most of my life my nickname was. As far as Boog, I never introduced myself that way because. I would say 90% of the time people don't understand and I don't feel like explaining it. You know what I mean? Like, so the way I do it is like, you'll figure it out and everybody will, you know, you'll figure it out. It'll be fine. So if you're in a room and someone says, Hey John, do you still turn around? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. I mean, look, I, it's, it's, it's the, yeah, it's, it's just one of those things. I did an interview. It makes me think of it. I did an interview with John Carlos Stanton, last year for TV, and I said, if you're walking down the street and somebody shouts, hey, Mike, I said, will you turn around? And he goes, oh, yeah, absolutely. So I didn't, I'm not comparing myself to John Carlos Stanton, by the way. That was just what popped into my head. So I don't mean, think you, about should, you should. Each a giant in their own industry, right? Am I, are we allowed to curse on this? Of course. It's a podcast. Oh, okay. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I'm not as big a douchebag as I sounded like right there. <laughs> Okay, so you mentioned your time in Miami. Um, I know that you're tight with the Levitard crew. If you can explain to everyone how you know them, first of all, then I'm going to ask you a follow-up question because I need you to settle a bet that I have going. Levitard is one of my longest, closest friends. I moved to Miami in 93. I slept on Bob Lashusen's couch. We were classmates at Boston College. I was classmates with Bob Lashusen and Joe Tessitore, who's the voice of Monday Night Football. The three of us were together. We worked the student radio station together. And then Bob and I were in Miami, and we worked at WQAM. Dan Levitard, in 1993, was the lead beat writer for the then Florida Marlins, and then turned into a columnist. And we became, yeah, really good friends. And I, I yeah, he's been... One of my closest friends, yeah, for for a long time. So it's funny, all you know, all the people, you know, his dad, you know, for me, his dad will never be Poppy. Like I know, I've known Gonzalo forever, and I just I think of, you know, the what everybody calls him in Miami, which is Gonzo. So he'll always he'll always be Gonzo to me. Um, but yeah, Dan's a, Dan's a good friend. 
Okay, I have so many questions because you just rattled off a whole bunch of interesting information right there. You, Joe Tess, and Bob Wischusen are all college bros? That's correct. What would you have said, young young Jonathan, if I said to him, these three in your college hangout group are going to grow up in their careers to just be at the top of their game at ESPN, all three of them? Man, we just didn't know any better. I think the best part for me was I never contemplated that I wouldn't be good enough. Like, I just, I just, look, I worked hard at it. I, you know, when I got out of school, like, I kept a notebook with all the different people that I called in sports radio and I would log the calls. And we all wanted it and we all loved sports. So I think that we just decided we were going to get after it. I think that if you told us that the result would have been this, we would have been like, well, that seems a little far fetched. But I, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, we're we're unbelievably fortunate the way it's turned out, and we had uh, we had a lot of fun in college. There's a <clears throat> Bob Shuzan did a podcast recently and told we would host the three of us would be part of a, a sports talk show once a week on Mondays on WZBC. But you know, you'd also do play by play, and there's a great story that Bob you know told where we went. The three of us went to West Virginia to call the West Virginia. Boston College game and, you know, got into some issues with some of the locals down there. And, I mean, just you're there. And then Tessa Tour is freaking out because of the size of the plane and, like, they wanted to move the equipment because of the, you know, weight issues. And then it was, yeah. So we being on a trip to go call games with two of your best college buddies, um, it was pretty cool. We need to unearth those tapes is what we need to do. I don't know about that. I don't think we want to do that. I'm not interested, really. Maybe a little. Well, I, I think it'd be great humor. But, okay, so you have the big three, you, Joe Tess, Bob Wischusen in college. Then you go to Miami and you become best friends with Levitard. I think the common thread in everyone's success seems to be you. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's right. Or just, yeah, or we're all just gas bags. We're all like the, the character in plane trains and automobiles where we just pulled our own string and just like, you know, it doesn't, we don't stop talking. So, um, no, I've been lucky, you know, those guys are, are great friends and, um, you know, and I've had, I've had really good mentors, you know, Dave O'Brien, who is, uh, you know, now the voice of the Red Sox was someone that was a big influence on me. Um, you know, when I was, when I was with the Marlins, um, so I've been, I've been lucky, but those guys, yeah, the, the guys you just mentioned, I mean, they're good friends to the day, text with them all the time. The, the, the one thing as far as Bob and Joe that stinks, you know, we don't do the same sports, but you know, by and large, um, yeah, we don't get to see each other because as the play by play guy, we doesn't, it doesn't cross over the only, you know, the one thing that we get to do from time to time that's fun is, you know, every once in a while, Bob will have a game, a hoop game, and, you know, my game will piggyback or it'll go the other way and we'll get to toss to one another and we'll think of some ridiculous, you know, let's go out to Manhattan, Kansas, <laughs> and here's my close personal friend, Bob Wischusen. Yeah. Well, ESPN needs to get the three of you in a booth to do something. Yeah, absolutely. I know that they, there is evidence they actually we, – we were the Aflac trivia question on one football game. <laughs> They made us the answer to. They made us the answer to the athletic trivia question. Yeah. 
All right, so let's circle back to Miami. Since you're so close with Levitard, I need you to settle a debate that we had on the pod last week. I had Steve Cerruti and Tommy Freespops, another guy whose nickname has transcended his real name, uh, joining me. And when I was recording with them, I'm on a text chain with Izzy Gutierrez and George Sedano and Amino Hassan, guys that are really tied into the Levitard crew. And they were talking about Greg Cody outing Dan's engagement on the front page of the Miami Herald. And so I was laughing about it as I'm getting these texts and we're recording. And those both of those guys said, yeah, I don't know. That just seems like a bit. I don't think Greg Cody would do that without Dan's permission. And I said, I don't know. To me, that seems like he actually did it without Dan knowing. So you are the insider here. I need you to tell me, am I right or are they right? You're right. You're right. Cody did it and did not ask. And I, to further, and I, and I, yeah, and I, I have not talked to Cody specifically, but yeah, Cody did it and didn't ask Dan. And I will further go as evidence that Cody has a history of doing this. It's not as big a deal, but for Dan's 40th, we all went to Vegas, right? Right. We all went to Vegas, and Cody was starting to blog online. And while we were in Vegas, I won $10,000 playing blackjack. I, like, just had a ridiculous heater. And, like, I wasn't really interested in having the world know about that. And Cody put it on his blog and didn't tell me. And then I had people coming up to me going, hey, you had a pretty good heater in Vegas. And I was like, what are you talking about? How do you know that I had a really good heater in Vegas? And so Cody has a history of it. He absolutely did it on his own. That was not a bit, I promise. So you're telling me Greg Cody is on a boys' trip in Vegas and he's live blogging it as it happens? He did not live blog as it happens, but I, I, what I think was we didn't all leave at the same time. Um, and, yes, at some point he decided to use uh, to use that information without... without uh, Checking with, with me whether I would enjoy making that public. Uh, did anyone ask you for some money after they realized you had hit, hit the jackpot? <clears throat> yeah, my sister. <laughs> yeah, you, you made a bunch of. That was the first, the first, uh, the first person that hit me up. My sister works for the Miami Heat. Well, you know what it sounds like to me is that you and Levitar need to get together, you need to get in cahoots, and you need to get some retribution to Greg Cody. You need to out something that he's harboring. Oh my gosh, you just were, you used the word cahoots. Are you like 80 years old? Who used the word? The only time that I've used the word cahoots was when I shamely, shamefully was on the Harlem Globetrotters broadcast and they handed me a script and it actually said, the ref and the general's coach are in cahoots. Okay, first of all, yes, Sorry. I'm an old soul, but I don't think cahoots yeah. is that old of a word. Terrible word. Cahoots? I think it's an underrated word. Cahoots is, it's like, cahoots is, I feel like we're in a Western, okay? And like, yeah, you know, we're we're in like a Western and we're putting, we're hatching a plan together, right? That's, that's how, that's how I see it. I guess cahoots is kind of the dad jeans with suspenders version of a word. That's right. That's right. I even, I find older, like I think that I'm like out on the porch and you're coming out and like wearing a giant silly hat and like, I just heard that you guys were in cahoots.
Yeah, that's that's how I see it. All right, well, we're going to have to do a Twitter poll or something to settle this, because I think it's an underrated word that needs to be modernized. Okay, but I, I'm just, I'm simply acknowledging that it is a word that makes you sound like you're a thousand years old. Do you think that you could find a way to work cahoots into a broadcast? You tell, Sunday night, you tell me, or Tuesday on TV. You make the choice. Um, which games do you have? So right now, Saturday and or sun, Saturday and Sunday. Sunday's better. A little more people will be. A few more people will be listening. Sunday night on the radio will be Cleve or Boston at Cleveland Ooh. on the radio, and then Tuesday. It hasn't been picked yet, but I think it's the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks. Okay, let's go with Sunday, because that is going to be okay. an interesting matchup. And we'll see if you can work cahoots effectively into a broadcast. And I think you may actually enjoy it. Oh, I'm going to enjoy it. <laughs> I, I absolutely will enjoy it. That's that's right. And and Singy will, uh, will participate as well. Yeah, we'll figure it out. All right, awesome. Okay, well, speaking of that, every time I talk to you or I see you on Twitter, it's you're all over the place. How many times are you on a plane a week? It just seems like every other day you're in a different location, and I don't know how you keep up with your own travel schedule. So my standard schedule is leave Friday. Do you know this time of year they change games with Monday nights? You know, normally TV-wise, our schedule is Sunday nights, Monday nights, Wednesday nights. Those are the three TV games that our company does. And on radio, we always do Saturday and Sunday on ESPN Radio in the same city. <clears throat> but at this time of year, it gets a little crazy. So I am at home right now on whatever day of the week this is. And so my standard schedule is leave Friday, do Saturday on the radio in whatever city, Sunday on the radio. Come home Monday, uh, leave Tuesday, do TV Wednesday, home Thursday, leave Friday. So I'm kind of, I'm in my bed Monday nights and Thursday nights, and sometimes they'll add games and sometimes I'll go in day games. So it gets adjusted, but like <clears throat> two nights a week and, you know, like right now, I'm more than likely will go. So my game Saturday is in Cleveland. It's a night game. I'm not going to go Friday night. I'll go Saturday morning. I'll go Monday morning from Cleveland to Phoenix, do TV Tuesday and Wednesday. Thursday, I'll fly to Chicago. I'll do TV Friday for the Cubs and radio Saturday, Sunday to finish the season. I'll come home, and then I'll start by doing the wild AL wild card in uh in uh, right now, New York. But if the A's make a furious run Wednesday, I'll fly back out to, to Oakland. I'm stressed out just hearing you lay all that out. I don't really know how you handle it. So you're just kind of the carry-on guy. I'm assuming it's quick stints of packing. It depends. I, you know, like when I'm going on this trip for ten days, I'm not lugging that stuff around. So I mean, I have pretty good. My Delta status is pretty good. My Delta status is is kind of. You know, coming to America, they throw rose petals at my feet type stuff. Like, Ooh, I've done, must be nice. I, I, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I said it. Um, no, so I, I, I'm just, I'm not lugging stuff around and worrying about that. You know, if I'm going to be on the road from Saturday morning to a week from Monday, yeah, we're going to check. But on my standard <laughs> trips, you know, the the four-day trips, five-day trips, yeah, I'm, I'm carrying on. The challenge is that, when it's all radio, it's easy to carry on. You can stuff it into a nice carry-on bag. But then when we have to start mixing suits into the mix when it's TV radio combo trip, then it starts to usually be two bags, 
blah, blah, blah. So that's what we have. And at this point, it's just kind of, yeah, it is what it is. It's, I mean, <clears throat> there are times when it's hard, but it's still, once I'm facing the field or the camera or whatever, or the court, it's I'm good. And I work with great people. I get to work with, you mentioned Singy, Chris Singleton, who I've been working with since 2011. Wow. And it is, to work with, you know, you're, you know what it's like when you're, no matter what, in this industry, you know, you could be up in people's spaces, man, for an extended period. And then when you're traveling together, and when you like the person, and when they never get on your nerves, and hopefully you don't get on theirs, it's just such a blessing. So my time around Chris and Justin Ware, I look forward to. And similarly on the TV side, my producer director, Jeff Define and Jimmy Platt, they're magnificent. I get to work with Rick Sutcliffe, who's a good buddy and easy and fun and always having a good day. Same thing with David Roth. So I'm really lucky that the people that I work with are, yeah, just gems, man. You're so right. It makes all the difference in the world. When I was on Rosillo and Canal and we would travel for the fall football tour, you know, we'd always have travel issues or this or that, but it doesn't matter because you're with a group of people that you really respect and enjoy and you're going to have fun with and then you make an experience out of it. But what, yeah. you, what you said about your crew is spot on because when I was in Bristol, obviously being from St. Louis, big baseball fan, you should try and sneak away whenever I could to go to Sunday Night Baseball. And you and Singy and Justin Ware were always so gracious to let me hang out in the booth with you guys and you're just you have fun. You can you can hear it when you listen to you. But when you're there, it just it's such a great environment to be in. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, we have a good time. And Chris is like Chris. I, I feel like you know one of the things I remember describing. I loved for the longest time Bill Raftery, and who's now with Fox and CBS. But every year that I came to ESPN, I would ask to do a couple of games with Raf just because it was such a thrill. But the thing that I would always say that broadcast about broadcasting with Raf is I feel like you could hear the smile on his face and I want that to come across in our broadcast. And I think we accomplish it most of the time that you can hear the smile on our face that we're constantly, Chris and I are constantly playing, you know, we're on TV the other night, the Cardinal Braves game got into a little bit of a blowout, and we were talking about, you know, Wrigley Field and how I basically, in order to, like, the auxiliary booths, so, you know, at Wrigley Field, you're, you've got main press at the writers, and then you have the main home TV booth, the uh, visiting TV booth, visiting radio, uh, visiting or home radio, and then, you know, maybe an Xbox or two, and the Xboxes are small, so... You know, it's not a small man. I basically have to fast for three days in order to get in there. And then we go to Atlanta, and we're a little high, but the booth space, you know, the game turns into a blowout, and they go to a wide shot of us, and I just I look at the camera from way, away center field, and I show what's behind in the booth, and I'm like, man, this is like 700 square feet. I said, my mom sells real estate in Brooklyn. You could get 2800 a month. I mean, it's... So, you know, but that's the stuff. You're just you're, you're going to mess around and have a, and try and have a good time. That's that's what you're, that's what you're trying to do. So it's uh, and and it's it's the nicest thing I have to tell you to work with people like that. And just when yeah, the, there's no stress in my work. It's the only part of the stress 
is the travel, and there are just times when you don't feel like going, where you wish they could beam you, and you don't feel like going through the process. Um, that's the biggest thing. But otherwise, it's it's really a lot of fun. It is fun. And when you're in there, it, it doesn't even feel like you're at work. I mean, the first time that I hung out with you and Singy and Justin in the booth, I was like, what are they doing up there? I, I kept seeing you guys play with something, and you guys were playing with fidget spinners the whole game. And I don't have kids. I had never seen one before. And right. you guys got me on and on one. Singy was like, hey, I have so many. Take this. And now I can't do a show without it. I have it with me all the time. It's like this little mindless activity that I do thanks to you and Singy. Well, that's awesome, and and my, I, I, for me, it's thanks to Singy as well. He started, he started that. By the way, is a truck outside my apartment. Oh, nice! Just blowing the horn. So, um, New York living. So, well, I'm yeah. It's New York City living. I live right down the street from a fire department and a and a police station, and they don't make much noise going past my apartment. But I can sleep through anything. So whatever. Anyway, <laughs> the apropos of nothing, but Singy. Started with the fidget spinners, and because it's just the way I am, I'm like, hey, what's that? What do you got going on over there? What do you mean, man? It's a fidget spinner. So now I'm checking it out, and I like it, and he gets me one, and I guess one of them broke in my bag. And the one that I have currently right now um, is uh, one that was given to me by Jessica Mendoza's husband, Adam Burks, because he listens to us. And he would come on a couple of the, he would come on a couple of the, uh, the trips with Jess, only he wouldn't be, they'd all be like, where, where's Adam? Yeah, he's over in radio. So he'd come and hang out with us and see us at the fidget spinners. And yeah, he, uh, he got me mine and, and I, yeah, we do, we got all sorts of stuff like that. So it's, uh, yeah, our, our Sunday night, it's, it's such a, man, I just, I feel so lucky to be doing it. So. Yeah, it's an awesome time. Okay, well, I have to ask you this. Media, all we do is talk about food. We're we're very much vultures when it comes to food. So as far as stadiums are concerned, Press Box, you're eating at a lot of stadiums. What's the best stadium for Press Box food, and what is the worst? The, the first place that I'll go in terms of best would be, and we haven't done, it's funny how it works, but like teams are good, and you go a certain place a lot, mm-hmm. and then you don't. So like Philadelphia, we used to go to all the time. I still would say Philadelphia is probably as good as any of them. Um, and the other thing is that they have uh, hand-scooped ice cream there. Ooh, nice. So Yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, it's, I would say that that's, that's, probably, um, that's probably number one for me. Do they have cheesesteaks there? Uh, well, here's another quick one. Baseball players will tell you, when asked, where is the best cheesesteak in Philadelphia? The visiting clubhouse in Citizens Bank Park is where the best cheesesteak is. They make it all from scratch in there. Okay. And that's the best cheese. It's not Pat's or any of them. It's visiting clubhouse at Citizens Bank Park. Uh, you know, one of the problems with Pressbox with this question is, and it's ironic, because when I started in the league in 1997, yep, old, um, they didn't make you pay. And the more they've made you pay, the crappier the food has got. Right? Now, there are a couple of places that have changed. Like Old Bush Stadium was unbelievable in terms of how awful it was. You walked in there, 
they were frying the salad. It was so terrible. Yeah, okay? Sounds about right. So now it's it's fine. They put out a they put out a decent enough spread. Um, Cubs. I, I I still think I'm saying Phillies. I I'm trying to think if there's any place that I'm really that I'm really missing. I, like a lot of them have really declined as well. I, the Yankees put out a, a pretty good spread, but. I, I would say that the, the Phillies because of because of the ice cream, and I think that most of the of us fat media members would say Philly because of the ice cream, and Frank who serves the ice cream. Okay, well before I let you go, I have to ask you one serious question. Um, oh, I know, I know, I know. We're gonna have to do. I have just, no idea what you're. A, like, what is it? A quick deep dive. Um, so, as someone who loves baseball, one of the most frustrating <laughs> things to me about baseball that's kind of developed over the past couple of years is how we've seen the NBA and t- the NFL to a- another extent just really allow players to show their personality. There's definitely a superstar factor in those leagues. Whereas in oh, baseball, man. you have all these unbelievable players, the the Mike Trouts and the Bryce Harpers of the world, but for some reason they can't be that transcendent superstar where they they cross all these different platforms and I don't know why that is. And I wonder if you, someone who spends a lot of time in the game has a little bit of insight into why baseball hasn't been able to capitalize and market player personalities the way other leagues have. All right. Long answer here because this definitely pushes a button. So, you know, obviously Rob Manfred addressed it a little bit and got himself in hot water because of the way he did it and including Mike Trout. Right. I have a lot of thoughts on this. The first, thing that I would say, I'm, I'm, I'm a baseball guy, okay? I love this sport as much as when I was seven, and I don't think, people are always talking about baseball dying, and yet, let's be clear, maybe in 10 years it will not be so, but baseball makes more money than the NBA by a lot, and baseball has, over the course of the last 15 years, been closer in revenue to the NFL than the NBA has to baseball. So everybody. All they do is they look at playoff ratings. They think that's the entirety of what popularity is. And yet, from an attendance and revenue standpoint, and yes, attendance is down right now. There's no question. But they're they're making a ton of money. So I do want to start with that. The, the way I would answer the question is, and I feel passionately about this, um, the players' weekend stuff. I don't – the jerseys, I don't care about. But – I personally believe just let the guys the spikes that are fun and funny and the bats that are fun and funny, they should wear that stuff and use that stuff every day. That's the type of stuff that will draw attention of younger people. I'm not saying it's saving anything, but that's the first point that I would make about Players Weekend. All those things are these guys... We have Torres making Iron Man spikes, and he's got the Venezuelan flag on him. You know, you have Adam Jones with his kids drawing pizza and cookies and nachos on his spikes. That's the stuff that they've just got to, like, let it go, man. Let, just let the guys show themselves and do the fun bats and all of it and just stop it. Make the uniform the uniform, but the spikes and the bats and gloves just I, I, that part I feel passionate about. I think that they just get really stiff on it. But here is the thing that I would say in terms of the marketing. I think the league takes too much heat for it, and I'll tell you why. Because the culture of this game, I, like I'll say it straight up, is white and conservative, period. And that is the way these guys are taught. 
They are, for lack of a better phrase, and I'm sorry about being overly dramatic, brainwashed to not put themselves out there to do, look at me. So the issue is, you could sit there, everybody pounds on the league, but like, look at Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper's one of those guys that has personality. Like, to me, if you went to a baseball game, it's rare, like, you go to the NBA, an NBA game with someone who had never seen an NBA game, and ask them if LeBron James is playing in it. They've never seen an NBA game, and they don't know basketball. Who's the best player? They'll figure it out. In baseball, because of the way the sport is, it's not necessarily so. But you take him to a game with Bryce Harper, there's a pretty good chance, not that you ask him the best player, but they would point at him and say, yeah, he's a little different. Yeah, because he's got a little look at me. He's got a little dig me. And the way it gets reacted to, not as much by fans, but certainly inside the game is, that guy's an asshole. So it's a problem in the game when you're talking about marketing individuals when in the sport, individual attention is completely frowned upon. So the culture of the sport, led by the players, squashes individuality in a big way. Well, now you see some of the culture war inside the game because it's not the way the Latin players were brought up, and you're seeing more and more Latin players inside the game. And the problem becomes when a Latin guy hits the home run and he flips his bat, a lot of times the white guy thinks he's saying, fuck you, and he's not. He's just saying, I'm happy. It has nothing to do with you, pitcher. Um, but I just think that we got to let the individuality out, and, and that's one of the things that they're wrestling with. But still the culture, inside, forget about um, the league squashing it. It's the culture inside the clubhouses that squashes it, and I don't think that people realize that, talk about that, recognize that that in so many instances man let's you know show your personality yeah show your personality and then wear one in the ear it's like there's still some of that so that's that's a big problem i'll also tell you i don't know how they do this stuff in terms of measuring you know the how you know recognizable certain guys are i mean i see some of the the people on the list even that you know that we put out I just have you know, the idea that, like, random ex-quarterback who wears a helmet is more recognizable walking down the street, I'm in New York City, than the Rams quarterback. I'm, I'm not buying it. Like, I'm just not. And, and it, you know, there's no – that one's difficult in terms of data, et cetera. So I, I do think – I feel like it's it, it gets a little – a little skewed, a little flawed. Um, but I, you know, baseball needs to do a better job. There's no question. But I, again, my, my super gas bag, long winded answer is don't just look at the league. It's the culture inside the clubhouse to, there's a great article by John Baker, um, who now works for the Cubs, a former catcher, but talking, he wrote, if you want to search it online, and he talked about, um, a, a a teammate of his coming to winter league in Venezuela. And he was like, man, it's so much fun here. He's like, you know, as they call pimping a home run, he says, you know, you just pimp home runs. Nobody throws at you. Like, it's just, it's totally fun. And it's, it's an amazing sort of diagnosis of 
the distinction and the you know culturally and just I just think it's we you got to have more more personality, but it's as much up to the players uh, as it is to the league. How long was that answer? Seriously, give me a time on that answer. It I, had to be like I don't have a minutes. time, but it was outstanding, and I couldn't agree with you more. I've been beating that term for a long time uh, to allow players to have that self-expression. I mean, yes. but you're totally right, though. You know, when we see Yadier Molina playing in the World Baseball Classic, it's like a different player. He's such a joyful player. Uh, that's and right. We've seen him here now under Mike Schilt kind of have that side to him, but that's a totally different conversation because I think having all these young players come up and kind of have that joy has rejuvenated a lot of the players on the team. But I just I don't know what the answer is. Then do you, do you start at the youth level where you teach these kids that it's okay to have fun and to showcase yourself and have that swag? I don't well, know where the answer lies. Yeah, well, I will tell you. I think you gotta again. It's 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 generational. It's I think you gotta have some patience. I think that the thing that I was talking about in terms of letting the guys express themselves with equipment, I think is a starting point. Mm-hmm. I do think there's that, um, and then. <laughs> I think, unfortunately, uh, I think, unfortunately, it just takes some patience. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just takes, for that culture to change and kind of die out, not to be, you know, too dramatic, but uh, I think they're filming a movie on my block. I'm just looking out the window. So, uh, so but not to be too dramatic, but, like, I, I think that it's like, you know, the earth being round but you know, Kyrie Irving aside, the way we got to the place in terms of the like the flat earth people, you didn't like change their mind. They just died. Like so that, I mean that's really what so you know, it's just generational. It's just the people yeah. more and more that want to, you know, stick one in the ear hole of the guy that flips his bat, they will be leaving the game. Sure. And be and hopefully be replaced by people who or just thinking, yeah, I guess they better get them out next time. Either that or we just need the league and the players to get in cahoots together and <laughs> and say, hey, we're going to allow self-expression. <laughs> You're so delighted with yourself. I, I couldn't even, get it, I couldn't even get it out. I was so pleased that yeah. I was able to circle back to that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You just got Here's what you got to do, though. So on Friday, well, I don't know when this is going up, but what you got to do on Friday, Friday. is... Okay, so on Friday, though, you got on your show, you just pick it. Like, you don't even have to, you could just do it live on the show. But you picked the inning on Sunday night that I will say it, and, like, I'll be your monkey, and I'll just do it. So you just tell me one inning, you you say to your listeners, I've decided Boot is going to use cahoots in a sentence on, you know, the fourth or fifth, whatever, but you just got to tell me, and Siggy and I will pull it off Sunday Night Baseball. The game, by the way, is special time, 7 Eastern. 7 Eastern. On uh, on ESPN Radio, Sunday night, Red Sox at Indians. Oh, well, we will be plugging it a lot, because I know people will be listening for this. But, Boog, thank you so much for doing this. It was so great to chat with you. You bet. Thanks again to Boog Shambi and Tommy Freeze Pops for the time. Love those two guys. Always great catching up with them. All right, let's run through some reviews, shall we? Quickly. Uh, this one is from Rye Guy 31392 uh, Five stars. Enticing and intoxicating. The broadcast of the century. Clever and witty from the New York Times. <laughs> That's really good. Thanks to Rye Guy for the review. Uh, we also have this one. Title is, It's Like I Almost Have Friends. 
Following the darkness that was the end of the Rosillo era has risen the phoenix of new life. The OG Post Show pod crew, hosted by Midwest Michelle and sometimes European Michelle, is an absolute gem. So happy to have this back in my pod rotation. That's from Alex D. in Boston. Thank you so much to everyone who's taken the time to head to Apple Podcasts, subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It really means a lot to me. If you haven't done it yet, go ahead, head over to Apple Podcasts and get it done. Or if you've already done it, make your mom do it. Make your boyfriend or girlfriend do it. Make your best friend do it. Just get it done, okay? Let's keep sending those reviews in. We're going to have a full, full post-show pod breakdown of Tom's visit to St. Louis next week. So if you hate St. Louis, don't tune in. If you hate St. Louis, do tune in. Uh, But until then, good night, Boston. Thanks for listening to Small Talk. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or the Podcast One app.